Good morning. It's been an adventure around the church this morning. No internet. And uh, the internet got turned on at 10 a.m. exactly. So uh, I don't know if you noticed, but um, you probably didn't notice, but uh, Vicky has been just scrambling back there because normally they are able to do a a rehearsal with all the, all the words and everything, and she wasn't able to do that, and she was able to download the service that we see up on the screen at the last second. So um, huge thank you to Vicki for, for being a good sport this morning as we were trying to figure out, yeah. Sometimes it is an adventure. So the story is told of an old pioneer who journeyed across this country of ours in the old days and came upon the vast expanse of the Grand Canyon. And he abruptly came to a halt at the edge of the cliff, if you can imagine, with a vast chasm before him, one mile deep, 18 miles across, and was speechless for a long moment. And when he finally spoke, he made the profound comment, something must have happened here. <laughs> the beginning of, of chapter two of Genesis is a little like this for me. Chapter one is this amazing day-by-day -day description of the creation of the world. Day one, the creation of light and separation of light from darkness, day and night, and it was good. Day two, death, separation of sky, water, water from water, and it was good. Day three, dry land, earth, and seas, vegetation on the earth, trees, fruit with seeds, and it was good. Day four, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And it was good. Day five, water, creatures, flying creatures, all fruitful and multiplying. And it was good. Day six, all living creatures. Cattle, creeping things, wild animals of every kind. And then, and then, humankind with dominion over the rest of creation. Dominion, a word that connotes care here, by the way. God created them male and female. God said to them to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and subdue it and care for all that moves. So God looked at all of this at the end of the sixth day and said it was very good. First chapter of Genesis. It's just beautiful. So then we come to our text, chapter 2, which is an unfortunate placement of a chapter heading because it breaks up the story. You see, the book of Genesis is some 2,500 years old at least, but the chapters and the verse numbers in the Bible, don't know if you realize this, but the chapters and verse numbers in the Bible were added a mere 500 years ago. So the original didn't have anything like that. It was just, it was just the text. 
And sometimes this happens. In other words, chapter 2 is not another section. It's the culmination of the story in chapter 1. So here at the edge of creation, everything is brand new, and you kind of expect someone to say something profound, like, you know, look at what God did. Or, or if you were Tom Lilly, you'd say, holy buckets. <laughs> but something, something, and what we, what we get is something must have happened here. <laughs> In a sense, the writer of Genesis says something unexpected, not God is awesome, or behold the power of the Almighty. No, rather, when God finished all he had done, he rested on the seventh day. It's not what you expect. God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it, God rested from all the work he had done. I think the unexpectedness of the statement is on purpose. I believe we see in chapter 2 one of the main purposes of the whole creation story. Some have assumed that this story is given to prove how the world got here. That God is creator and this is how he did it. Me, I think it has a lot more to do with what God is saying about time and work and rest than about how the world came into being. The story goes to great lengths to present the model of seven days as a rhythm, a, a holy rhythm of life. The story teaches that humans were blessed to be created in the very image of God and that God is an all-powerful being who worked six days and then stopped. The Hebrew word for rest in verses 2 and 3 here is the word Shabbat, meaning to cease or to stop. It's the form of the word we hear in the fourth command of the Big Ten, and we're not talking college football here. The fourth command of the Ten Commandments is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The Israelites knew it was holy because of Genesis 2, verse 3, when God blessed and hallowed the seventh day because on it, God rested from all the work he had done in creation. In his book, Subversive Sabbath, A.J. Swoboda points out the, the reality that Adam and Eve, because they were created on day 6, their first full day was God's seventh day, the day of rest, not work. So this was, in a sense, their first impression of life. They had accomplished nothing. To earn this amazing day of rest, they, they hadn't earned it at, at all. But they were set on a course to enter the work of work, the world of work and play from the perspective of rest first. Swoboda says, God's nature always gives rest first and then work later. And, and then the creation story, this is even reflected in the repeated refrain, the refrain. There was evening and then there was morning. Each day there was evening and then morning. Rest. Sleep began each day in the creation narrative. 
course, you probably know where this whole sermon is headed. We're in a series right now. We took a couple weeks off, but we're in a series right now on Sabbath keeping. And as Pastor Dan so aptly pointed out three weeks ago, we have forgotten about Sabbath. We are, as a culture, we are addicted to activity. And if you're like me, you identified with Dan's story of hitting the wall at one point in his life. For him, it was in graduate school, working full-time and trying to do too much. And he realized he couldn't do it. Maybe you're at a similar point right now. I'm here to say this morning that for those of us who feel harried and too busy, this is not God's good plan for you. I am confident of that. If you are feeling in your life right now that you can't get it all done, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling like you're just too much, this is not what God wants for you right now. He created us for something else than a crazy, busy schedule that is day after day after day of run, run, run. God's gift of Sabbath is not only a gift, if we dare take it seriously, but it's the antidote to what's wrong with so much of our lives of busyness and hurry. And what we see in Genesis 2 is that we were not created to live lives of constant motion, of taking responsibility for for it all as if we were in control of the world. No, we were created in the image of God. Who, who set something amazing into motion when he created the world, a rhythm of, of six days to be productive and then engaged, and then one day to stop. When we try to live by any other rhythm, we soon discover that it just does not work well. You see, Sabbath is like breathing. To totally ignore the Sabbath makes about as much sense as deciding to only breathe once every 60 seconds. Or, you know, I'm going to breathe for two weeks out of the year. The rest of the time I'm fine. No, you can't do that. Our bodies were designed to be constantly taking in oxygen, and we need that. I believe we were designed also to rest at least once every seven days days. And if we don't do it, we start to experience difficulty. Did you know that ancient Israel is the only patriarchal society on the planet that emphasized a rhythm of work and rest? You see this nowhere else in any other culture. And the author I mentioned, Swoboda, makes the bold statement, we worship the God who created the weekend. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) In Jewish households, the beginning of the Sabbath, at the beginning of the Sabbath, if you'll see this familiar scene. If you've ever, um, I, the one that I always remember is from Fiddler on the Roof. The woman of the house lights two candles, and then she goes like this over them. Have you seen this before? This, you, you see this in every Jewish household, this motion of gathering in the Sabbath rest, of bringing God's holy time into the home, into the life of the family, recognizing that this is how God intends life to be lived, to remember the Sabbath day and 
to keep it, to remember it and to keep it. Many have tried to do otherwise. In 1793 in France, during the revolution, they decided to do away with the, what they saw as the overly Christianized seven-day week. And, and because of their love for the number 10, <laughs> they decided to go with that. So they changed the calendar to 10 days. They modified, they made calendars. They, they, even, they even invented some clocks that, that showed a 10-day work week. Well, the result was lower productivity, people burned out, suicide rates skyrocketed. What they learned was that humans were not created to live like that. Eugene Peterson, in his book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, quotes um, another preacher from another time, H.H. Farmer. He said this, if you go against the grain of the universe, you get splinters. <laughs> I wonder how many of us are trying, to, trying really hard to go against the reality of how we were created and are living our lives with splinters. We're too busy, we're too stressed, we're feeling like we need a break. But finding that even taking a day off or, or, or taking a vacation doesn't really seem to help. You see, these things are not really what I'm talking about. Just taking a day off once in a while or going on vacation for a couple of weeks. It's not really the biblical image of Sabbath keeping. Pastor Dan mentioned a few weeks ago that Sabbath keeping is about resting with God. Stepping away from productivity and stepping closer to depending on God. And that's that piece of depending on God, which I think is so important. This is not easy. Actually, one of the ways that you know you're getting close to what God's idea of Sabbath is there's difficulty in doing it. The world as we know it is not friendly to Sabbath keeping. When I talk to busy folks about Sabbath keeping, I often, I often see this. And then I hear, I got too much to do. There's no way. It's just not realistic. But are we really too busy to keep the Sabbath? Or is the truth that we secretly think that we are too important? That if we don't get it all done, it will never happen because it really depends on me. What is that really, if not an insidious kind of pride? I think I know something about this because pastors are some of the most prideful people I know in this sense. And I include myself in this. Oh, the job is never finished, we say. There's always some project that needs more work, more emails to answer, more people to call, and there's always a sermon waiting. How will I get it done? Don't feel sorry for me. I hear this phrase all the time. Oh, pastor, I know you're very busy. <laughs> we pastors would like everyone to think that. But see this for what it is. It's pride. Do you see what I'm talking about? 
This job is too important for me to step away from it for 24 hours because things will fall apart and I'm holding it all together. I mean, the hubris of that. As if I had the power to hold it together, as if you did. It doesn't depend on you. Sabbath keeping is, is an amazing way of acting on the belief there's enough of John Mason in the world and we don't need more. Less is better. <laughs> Sabbath keeping is the best way of affirming that God is sovereign and you are not. That I'm dispensable. We tend to fall into the false belief that we are indispensable. And I'm telling you folks, it's a lie. If we are truly living for God's purposes in our work, in our families, in our ministries, and are we okay with saying that God can't get it done without me? Is not God all-powerful? So I'm thinking this should, I should wrap this up this morning. I'm kind of halfway through what I really want to say about Sabbath keeping, and we're going to continue it next week. But let me just say something practical. If you're taking notes, I hope some of you are taking notes, at a basic level, Sabbath keeping is identifying a 24-hour period of time during your seven-day week where you disengage at some point. Now, some of us may not be able to do it on Sunday. Sunday is kind of the traditional day. As Pastor Dan talked about a, a few weeks ago, there's also a connection with the resurrection of Jesus on Sunday. And if that works for you, that's great. For pastors, it doesn't work. Sunday's a work day. Maybe Sunday's a work day for you. You're on your way to work this afternoon. But finding a 24-hour period of time when you can do the following four things or not do the following four things. And here they are. It's really simple. A day away from what you have to do, should do, ought to do, ought to do, or must do. Have to, should, ought, or must. If you can step away for 24 hours from those things. Now, you know, what about fixing a leaky faucet? Is that fun for you? Do you feel like you have to do it? Well, if not, by all means, mowing the lawn. Does mowing the lawn feel fun for you? It does for me. I love mowing the lawn. Then yeah. So legalism, I mean, when, once we get legal and rigid about it, legalistic and rigid about it, it, it totally misses the point. But to step away for 24 hours from what you have to do, should do, ought to do, and must do is the best antidote to this pride I'm talking about, which will only fill you with splinters. If you're tired of the splinters, join me in the adventure of Sabbath keeping. More next week. Let's pray. Lord, as we bring our offerings to you every Sunday, we also worship you with ourselves. As the Apostle Paul talked about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is a, our reasonable worship. God, we offer you our lives today.
Help us, God, to, to honestly and, and truly say that you are capable of doing what you need to do in our lives of work and family and ministry and whatever else. And Lord, help us to practice Sabbath keeping, especially those of us, God, who are really, really busy. I pray especially, Father, for moms and dads. It is especially of young, young children because it is a unique challenge to be able to find creative ways of Sabbath keeping. But Lord, may we begin to have a conversation about how to do this in creative ways. All of us. We pray that you would receive our offering of not only ourselves, but also our gifts of, of tithes and offerings today. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.